Welcome back to Brick by Brick, the official podcast of the Prestige Group. Thank you. Add prestige to your life. Brick by Brick by Brick, the official podcast of the Prestige Group. We've all had this uh, very weird things that, you know, when we grow up, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to be this, we're going to be that. What is the weirdest thing that you wanted to be when you grew up? Yeah, I mean, there are many things when actually when you're at the crossroads, you start thinking, I want to do, a, I mean, you wanted to do many things. I wanted to be a lawyer because I enjoyed law. I wanted to do, be a, a chartered accountant because I enjoyed numbers and enjoyed accounts. And ultimately, it happened that I went to my father's shop and I did uh, uh, started selling menswear retail. And that happened for some time. And then afterwards, destiny took both my brother and I into uh, real estate. And then for some time, we did only just trading in real estate. And one day I said, let's make a change. Let's make things different. Uh, let's try and see whether we can do a quality product. And bingo, here we were building uh, actually, we started building offices, we didn't, didn't build homes in the initial days. It was just office buildings. It was pretty easy that time in the sense that you had a good design. And, uh, you know, at those days, the rent for office space in a good CBD area was five rupees a square foot. Can you imagine? Today, you won't even get a car park for five rupees. The only reason for picking office versus a commercial property was? Yeah, that's what, when I say office, it means commercial. Less hassle in the sense you don't need to service the clients. And you know, otherwise, it's always we knew that uh, when you are doing a residential home, there are many more demands from the customers. Uh, there are many more, you know, sort of uh, micromanagement that you have to do to see everything is in place and then something goes wrong. Your, the whole perception in the mind was that how do you handle your customer? How do you satisfy that customer as a home buyer? There are many more things that you need to do rather than an office or of commercial space where you just either you build it, lease it or you build it, sell it and then the person who buys it from you leases it and uh, it's the end of the journey. And what we did is when we completed our very first building, we felt that we needed to manage those buildings. So we started managing those buildings. That became a big business by itself. So we felt that, you know, we just can't leave the customer on the lurch and say, no, I mean, uh, we have sold you and then that's end of the contract. But then we started backing that up by the service of taking care of the property, maintenance, housekeeping, security, maybe even leasing it out for them, maybe reselling it for them. So that became another aspect of the business. So that gave the holistic approach to the business. And that's where even the brand got built up because then people started realizing, okay, here are these guys, at least they're responsible. They're not just sold something to us and forgotten who we were, but uh, they went all the way through and took care of uh, whatever problems that if a customer faced. So then the perception in the mind for residential was, listen, man, in the middle of the night, the light doesn't work or the flush tank doesn't work or something happens somewhere and then the call will come. Right, fully sourced, even today, it's a similar situation, but we've got a larger organization, many more people to take care of all that problems. Uh, but it goes on. So it just happened that one day we got a property that somebody one of my father's friends just said, this is property in Koromangla. You do a residential development. 
Initially, I resisted. Then we said, okay, let's do it. Another friend came along and then said, listen, you don't have to worry. I'll put this up for you. I am quite uh, sort of uh, adept in uh, doing the contracting. You just need to do the marketing. And then it started. And then our first residential project was Prestige Oak Code in Koramangla. That was way back in 1988. When you built your first building, uh, the first construction, so development was done. How was it easy to sell? How did you, what was the story you told people to believe in? You know, that was the fortunate part we had for ourselves. We had this retail business to whom I had sold clothes or made clothes for them, the who's who of Bangalore. There was a certain belief in the family. And then when we did our first project, second project, it was the, the base that was there, the foundation that was laid there in that business that has helped us to do uh, this business and people just came and uh, believed us and invested money with us. And then you deliver two, so that success leads you to the next one and the next one. So it, it's, it's just that you have to be fortunate to be in a certain position and then you have to capitalize on it. If, you, you, if, you, if, if that success goes to your head, you become too arrogant or you become too egoistic about it and that boom, it just goes wrong. Do you remember your first customer? I think I do. In fact, my residential customers, I know in Prestige Oak Wood, I had one Mr. Radha Krishna uh, and uh, he, he was there and uh, I think between he and his brother-in-law, they, they made me do the first association that we formed for the residential part. And for my office, we, we had the first building that we did in, uh, uh, in KH Road, which was Prestige Court. Actually, I was uh, building that for renting it out. And then there was this uh, agent uh, broker called Mr. Ansari and he called me. He said, Taiba, this, I've got this customer. He has money. He wants to buy office units. I said, man, I want to rent it out. He said, no, no, no. You sell it, he's willing to buy. Then I said, okay, I'll sell it for 500 rupees a square foot. He said, he'll pay. I'll get him to your office. He brought him to my office. Uh, there, were, there are people from my own community, one Mr. Sajjad and Zia. They came invested. Then the second one, third one, fourth one, by the time I knew the whole building was sold. So the real estate industry is known for its dynamic and sometimes unpredictable nature. So how do you manage risk and uncertainty in your decision-making processes? Yeah, I mean, this is a million dollar question because yes, there is uncertainty. Yes, there is, uh, you know, you need to take a calculated call on which property to buy, which location will sell, what product will sell in that location. You have to decide the design. And uh, there are many things that uh, you need to do. Uh, of course, see, over a period of years, the city has evolved. The demand in the market has evolved. The city, because if you had asked me 30 years ago, if I did a project, if I had done say 30 homes in, a, in one single project that was considered large, like I've done one project here next door called Prestige Four Seasons. Now that's a 40 unit uh, and we were so ecstatic about it, went on to designing, detailing and we thought that it was the best of the best and everything else. It was a ground plus three structure, uh, sprawling, quite a large piece of land. And uh, uh, for that particular time, uh, say the early 90s, it was big, it was large, it was huge. But today, if you ask me something like that, maybe we'll not even bat an eyelid and say, okay, if I buy this, it'll get sold out the next day. So the market has evolved. The buyers have evolved. The entire buying capacity of people has evolved. Uh, that is because the amount of jobs the city has created, because of the IT boom, 
and and the youngsters that have they've got that spending power uh, so over a period of time uh, things keep changing so you need to understand the market you need to understand where the demand is coming from you need to understand who's your buyer you need to understand do they have the capacity to spend that and if you're able to understand those things and plan accordingly i think you can't go wrong wow so you've always acknowledged that challenges and failures are a part of the business journey. So by embracing them as learning opportunities, leaders can grow and adapt. Tell us about those challenges, those mistakes, and what role has failure played in shaping your career? And how have you turned failures into opportunities for growth and success? I see challenges keep coming all the time. You don't know where it comes from. See, it's also it's sometimes the market changes. So like, you know, we had a real estate boom in 1993 where there were a lot of people coming in from Hong Kong, uh, the Far East, Dubai, all of them were wanting to buy property, especially from uh, the Far East because Hong Kong, they had some feeling that, you know, China will take over and they wanted some back, uh, something back home. And then suddenly, the, 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 at that time, I remember the rupee to the dollar was some 30 rupees or 28 rupees. And people came in and they wanted to invest here. So, 93 was like boom time. Every day used to get a buyer. The prices went up. The fellows used to buy today, sell the next day and make some profit. And it was like party time. And then by 95, things changed. When you start something, you go to the end. I tell this to all my real estate developer friends also, whoever, even budding developers. You start something, don't lose heart. Like if you start climbing a mountain, you start looking down, you'll feel scared. But you reach reach the top, then you won the battle. So all you need to do is go reach the end, complete the product, complete it nicely, find the money, tighten your belt. And once you reach the end, once the product is ready, there'll be some buyers, some takers, and uh, you also finished your responsibility. So the people who had confidence in you will pay you the balance money and they will, uh, you know, you, you're, you've finished your part of the contract and then whatever inventory that's left with you probably will sell for much higher prices. True, very true. So what does a typical work day look like for you? And uh, can you walk us through your schedule and priorities? Yeah, we actually over a period of time, what we've done is we've structured our work days very nicely. Each day of the week is assigned for some a separate segment of the business. I mean, of course, it evolves over a period of time. And uh, as it has evolved, so you have a work day that starts at 9.30, 9.45 in the morning. And it goes on till late in the evening, maybe even 7, 7.30, depends on the type of work that is there, the appointments that you have. Then regular, you have internal meetings. So half a day in the morning is basically devoted only for internal meetings. The afternoon is for visitors. So then we, whether it's a landowner or whether it's a customer, the afternoons are fixed for that. So, and mornings are definitely, typically, it's either site visits, you visit sites on twice a, twice a week, and the rest of the days are either for engineering or for finance or for, uh, for marketing. So every, uh, oh, there are many aspects like even HR, uh, retail, all of it. So the morning session takes up that. So it's a very structured day. Uh, but there's no respite and there's no uh, sort of uh, minute to spare. Wow, you truly are an inspiration. There are, and I think there's, there are a lot of us who want to learn how to be like you. So what, according to you, should be the qualities of a good entrepreneur? No, I, it's, it's a simple thing. Actually, honestly, it is something so simple. 
as an entrepreneur what you should do is you should when you commit something when you promise something you should deliver now whatever happens whether you lose or you 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 going through difficulty but main thing is you need to learn that you need to deliver keep up your promise once you keep up that promise then the goodwill builds up the belief builds up and once that belief builds up your brand builds up and uh, with that you can do anything you can gain anything but the moment you lose your word people will stop believing you and then uh, uh, see sometimes i've seen typically when the going was good everybody is nice when the going is not so good people change they'll say no i did not say this i did not commit this no i can't do it so then that that sort of uh, people don't take you on and today is a uh, era where you have the social media uh, and you are dealing with a lot of mnc's they come with their own protocols they come with their own uh, nuances and if you are not professional then you are not you lost the game how do you inspire others while keeping yourself so inspired no the only way you inspire others is by your setting an example to them by you know conducting yourself in such a way that uh, they take that inspiration from you because otherwise uh, if you say something and you do something else how does your team member uh, believe you so main thing is is you you walk the talk and uh, everybody else walks walks along with you absolutely so if there's a disagreement with your team how do you handle it no disagreements are good disagreements are healthy without disagreement and the debate yeah. uh, there's nothing good that comes out there always a different uh, opinion there's a different point of view and you have to listen you have to understand and at the end of the day you have to summarize and you have to say okay we, i'll take this call or find what you're saying is right and uh, we'll we'll go with whatever you're saying so it's a, it's a hard decisions that you have to take uh, but that comes with debate and disagreement without disagreement and debate uh, then it just can't be you can't have a coterie of yes men around you because then it's a recipe for disaster because there'll be you'll be in living in delusion absolutely what and who motivates you the most there are many people who motivate you and uh, it's it's each one first of all you have to self motivate yourself and then uh, it, it starts it's it start from the basic and then there are many people as you go along who also keep motivating you i think it's your work itself that motivates you more than people uh, you do a good job you you are able to deliver something a good product comes out so you you get motivated and you try to do more because our business is such that you're creating something uh you go on to a site you see the work that's happening the amount of uh, energy that comes from there that energy you translate and that keeps you motivated that gives you confidence that uh you know sort of uh, you can do this and you will do it and you have to reach to the end okay how do your friends describe you no no they feel that uh, you know they they get a sense of confidence from me obviously my friends always believe that uh, i'm pretty strong and uh, Uh, they can look at uh, look up at me for whichever whenever they have a problem they think that if they come to me they'll get solved whether it's personal whether it's emotional whether it's uh, business or whichever it is they know that I'll set them in the right direction so we can say inspiration <laughs> okay so prestige group uh, engages in csr activities and strongly believes in giving it back to the society and making a positive impact so could you tell us more about the prestige group's association with uh, these initiatives see uh, this is something that i've always thought in life what happens is it's it's all about not about only yourself 
when you have been blessed when god has been kind to you and you had enough and more the least that you can do is that you have to spread that happiness you have to you have to spend that wealth to where people require it and today it's required mostly in education mostly for health and uh, it's just not even about the money if you educate someone that person can stand on their feet so and uh, there are many ways that you can work on like i worked with the ngo the alumin society for 20 years plus 22 years uh, continuously i built up the institution and of course when i was not required i just moved away but uh, that gave me my strength that also showed me the reality of life uh, that uh, down below there are, there's a huge mass that is there that is really has that need and if we don't spread that uh, wealth around uh, there's no sense this this is this one story i keep telling uh, people uh, i said this dead sea now no life that that it supports no life it's absolutely sort of still and then you even you go there you can even be buoyant over there then close by on the similar you have a sea of galilee which is full of marine life and vegetation and everything else bright and everything else but the strange thing is for both these seas you have the same river jordan feeding the water from to for both these seas now why is it that the river galilee is so vibrant and so full of life and why is the red sea doesn't support any vegetation the reason is the sea of galilee the water passes through and goes and uh, gets uh, uh into the ocean whereas the dead sea the water comes in and stays stagnant and there's no outlet so as long as you don't have the outlet and keep everything to yourself you become dead so the moment you pass on the wealth that you have you become vibrant and that they spread that much for happiness you support life wow that's a story i'm going to share now as well <laughs> uh, besides professional achievements how do you balance work and personal life i mean that life has to be a balance it can't only be work it can't be only play and uh, it can't be only fun so it has to be uh, you need to balance your life you need to have family you need to have work you need to have vacations and uh, and we do it brilliantly actually uh, it has to be there because you need that release valve like a pressure cooker uh, there's a valve over there and then when there's too much of pressure there's a release valve so we we do that very well and uh, we've learned to do that and that's what probably keeps us so uh, agile and uh, so bright so that's what probably one of the secrets so what are the hobbies yeah, um, i mean how do you hobbies keep- it's you see it's some sport i play golf every week and then uh, of course i love i like reading i i mean of course reading happens only when i travel but now there's not too much time to read uh, but uh, otherwise just listening to music or you're doing your gym that itself is a big release so that's how things are and uh, i think we balance and travel i love traveling so done a lot of travel at least three four trips in a year somewhere or the other quick trips short trips long trips everything happens so that with the family with friends uh, some trekking here some going some have some fun trips so that that sort of keeps your balance Thank you so very much Mr. Fandraza. Thank you so much. Thanks, thanks Rubina. Stay tuned as we continue our conversation with Mr. Fandraza in the next episode talking about all the verticals of the business. For success you have to really go take a deep dive and you really have to give your 
all motivating people and giving them the direction and i think it's a winning formula as the product keeps changing everything keeps changing and of course apart from bangalore we are also there in mumbai we are there in chennai we are there in hyderabad and all these cities we have been contributing largely to the skyline when there's work you have to work hard it's only the passion it's a, it's that uh, thing to create way back in 2004 when we produced the forum mall in bangalore koramangala that was the first mall designed in india not in bangalore but in the in the country who's the boss at home obviously no. <laughs> the boss at home for anybody is this better half if you could switch roles for a day with your daughter what would you want to experience from each other's lives ah that's a very very tricky question <laughs> add prestige to your life Brick by Brick, the official podcast of the Prestige Group.